Hey, hello. If you're watching this on the Sunday after Christmas, I hope you had a great Christmas and uh, that um, you were able to celebrate the birth of Jesus with family and friends and and uh, I just hoped it, it was uh, a great time. And if you're watching this uh, another time uh, off the internet feed, I, I really appreciate the fact that you're um, giving this a look and uh, hope, um, hope that you find something meaningful out of our few moments together. It was, uh, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Man, that, uh, that quote by Charles Dickens, uh, maybe, maybe reversing it, it was the worst of times, it was the, the best of times. I think maybe that quote aptly captures 2020. And uh, at the moment of my recording this, it is um, just a few, few days away from the end of what will always be remembered as a really tough year, 2020. I, I, I remember uh, nearly a year ago as we kind of ushered in, I thought, man, you know, 2020, what a cool, what a cool uh, moniker for a year, 2020, and wondering as every new year ushers in what it would be. And uh, it's been tough. I mean, you don't need me to tell you that. Think back over all the events in your life. Think back, you know, again, as I record this towards the end of, of December 2020, what life was like for you and what life was like uh, on this planet one year ago. And over the course of these past months, how much has changed and, and how much has been lost? I, I think that loss is a word that fits and befits uh, 2020 well. I know it does for me, and I would certainly imagine it does for you as well. Think, think of all the things that were different, um, that are different now uh, than one year ago today. Uh, uh, the pandemic hadn't started. The virus had not at least been known whether it was here or not in America. We didn't know. Uh, you had never heard the word that describes it, you know. Um, uh, uh, George Floyd was alive a year ago. Um, many cities, including the one that I grew up in, Minneapolis, uh, down on Lake Street, um, was not burned to a crisp. Um, New York, you wouldn't think twice about hopping in for dinner. Um, you could go to dinner. Uh, you'd feel safe. Um, you know, and, and, and on and on. Um, we live in a whole different world today than a year ago. And in the midst of it all, um, I think loss well captures it. I think also of so many folks that have passed away due to the coronavirus, uh, including my own mother. Um, she was living in a nursing home 
She had advanced stages of Alzheimer's, so she wasn't well anyways, but she was okay. Um, and within 48 hours, maybe a little bit longer, of contracting the virus, she, she, she passed. And, and that's not a singular story. I, I'm sure that you know someone that if didn't pass away from the virus, um, has struggled in life-altering ways as a result of the virus. So 2020, um, looking back, uh, man, it's a year we will never forget. And I thought what I'd do in our few moments together um, now, rather than um, preach off a manuscript, and this first time I haven't preached off a manuscript in ever, um, I, I thought I'd share some thoughts, um, especially related back over this past year, and use an Old Testament central figure to, to try to come to grips with, with how you deal with loss. Um, it's one of my favorite characters in scripture, certainly a, a central character he is, and his name is Elijah. Now, I'd invite you to read through and become acquainted with Elijah if you haven't before. You'll find his story in First and Kings in the very, very beginning of Second Kings, but in First Kings, starting around chapter 17 or so, to read the full story, I'm going to read a little chunk and reference another chunk in these minutes we have together, but um, to read through the story of Elijah is, is immense. Um, the Old Testament Elijah, I think, is well-suited to help us get a handle on where we've been and, and, and even more importantly, uh, what lies ahead, how we might embrace a whole new beginning as we launch into 2021. Now, there's no book in the Old Testament in the Bible that bears Elijah's name. There, there's no book of Elijah. And to find his story, as I mentioned, you, you, you start around 1 Kings 17. Just jot that down, if you would, and and on through 19, and then picking up again in the first couple of chapters of 2 Kings. Um, the am amazing thing about Elijah is he just kind of pops in out of nowhere into the story, and right off the bat becomes very much a central figure. And, and in the end, when he, his story is over in the Old Testament, he doesn't die. It says he just gets carried up to heaven with chariots and horses, which isn't a bad way to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, many consider Elijah the greatest of all Old Testament prophets, and, and that's no small thing, to say the least. His name literally means, my God is the Lord. My God is the Lord. You know, you think of what... Uh, what your name means in whatever language it was originated from. Imagine having a name that literally means, my God is the Lord. Uh, Elijah is mentioned 28 times in the New Testament. And Jesus encounters, of course, at the transfiguration. He is uh, found throughout 
the New Testament in over 20, in 28 references. Um, and then James, and James, you know, being kind of the odd guy out, James is just such an interesting book, um, describes Elijah this way, as a man just like us. So although he did and encountered crazy, supernatural, wild things throughout his life, um, James says ultimately he was a man just like us. He was human. And that's the beauty of characters like Elijah and all the way through Scripture. Um, in, in 1 Kings 17, or yeah, 1 Kings 17 in particular, there's a number of, although he's an ordinary man, extraordinary events in his life. Um, things that I've never seen, uh, supernatural, wild, moments where God needed to show up big or this was not going to work out well at all. And although moments like that are scary, they're really good. And God likes us to be in moments like that. Not, not just for their own sake, but to, but to open the door as we sense his will, the river of his will, and to step into that where we know he's in this and he needs to show up now. And people are, are watching. So Elijah, throughout his life, um, had a number of amazing moments, as I mentioned. And again, in, in chapter 17 of 1 Kings, uh, there's seven. And so at one point in his life, I think he could look back and go, man, um, I've really been used of God. I've seen amazing things. This, is, this has been an awesome ride. And wow, I wonder what comes next. And yet sprinkled in with all of the amazing things. And again, when you think back in our, in our own history here, in your history, a year ago right now, um, probably things were cruising along pretty great. You know what I mean? I, I don't know what you were thinking a year ago right now, but I was looking back excited about what was to come and 2020, here we go, you know? And I think Elijah, at one point, especially at a point later on in chapter 17, was really feeling great. He should have been. Um, but what happens next is things begin to turn. He's threatened. He's fearful. And, and he had good reason to be. Some people wanted him, some very powerful people, uh, including a very powerful evil queen that wanted his head on a platter. And a number of things happened for Elijah where suddenly, it's sort of like what we've been through in 2020. Um, he, was, he was flipped upside down. And, and at one point, um, almost running for his life. And so scripture records that he launched out to get away from the threat, to get away from what was just weighing him down huge. He, he headed off into the wilderness, uh, unprepared. And, and it says that he, Scripture records that he, he left his servant, his assistant, behind, which was a big mistake. 
because he's now alone out in the middle of the wilderness with no food, no water, no preparation, moving out. And, and scripture says he finally got to a point out in the middle of nowhere where he climbed, climbed under uh, just a skinny little tree of nothing, didn't give him any shade. And he laid down and he says this. This is, this is a line which, I don't know, um, I've repeated over the last year and probably other times in my life, but over the last year, maybe you have as well. He says in 1 Kings 19, verse 4, he says this. I, and he's sitting there under that tree, alone, depleted, depressed. He says, I have had enough. That line captures 2020 here at the end of this. Because we don't know how things, things are not finished with this yet. I have had enough. When was the, when was the last time you uttered that to a friend? Um, thought that deeply, talked to God about that. I have had enough. And then he goes on. He says, now, O Lord, take my life. Man, he was alone. He was depleted. He was depressed. And he was suicidal. He, he was suicidal. It, it almost seems like he either didn't want to or didn't have the courage or the means to kill himself, so he asked God to do it. Um, I have had enough. Now, O oh Lord, take my life. He, he, he wanted to die. And, and I don't know where you are emotionally, physically, spiritually, relationally. I mean, those four areas of your life are worth taking stock of as we kind of wrap up this unforgettable year and move in to a certain amount of unknown in 2021, you know? And there's been much written about the emotional challenges of going through this. Um, for us adults, for kids, I mean, I've watched my grandkids walk through this. I've watched my grown adult kids and uh, help their kids go through this. Um, I've been in, of course, ministry with high school and junior high students. I've watched them go through this and talk to their parents. I've read a lot. This has not been easy. It was not easy for Elijah. I think that Elijah is a great window into us in 2020 slash 20. 21. And so there he is, under a little shadeless tree, wanting to die. And what happens next is it's exactly what you and I need. What happens next? I, I'm almost tempted not to tell you and uh, steer you there um, to discover it for yourself. So I I'll give you the quick cliff note, and I want you to go there. First Kings, start in 17, get into the groove of the story, and then really dig deep, mark up the Bible, make some notes, pray through chapter 19 and what follows. The first thing that God does, 
for Elijah is he sends him nourishment. And actually, even before that, he helps him rest. Like, the guy needed sleep. Um, maybe you need sleep. That's a good place to start, to get your proper rest, to turn the machines off, to turn the world off for Elijah. God helped him get some good rest. And then, and then he met his need with nourishment and water. Um, food was brought to him. And that had actually happened in some supernatural ways early on, earlier in his life. But God brought nourishment to him. God delivered in, in a crazy way water to him, met his physical needs. How are you related to meeting your physical needs? What kind of shape are you in? Um, this has just been crazy, kind of being in our houses, you know? And um, for me, I mean, the gym I go to wasn't open for the longest time, and I'm grateful for the continuation of being able to work out through Zoom. That's actually worked out really well. Um, but in terms of what we eat, what we drink, how much we sleep, uh, are we working out and exercising? Um, those things were, are important to us, and they were important even back for, for Elijah. And God met him in the midst of delivering those things. And then um, God kind of picked him up and, uh, and told him to move forward to another place. And he ended up coming into kind of a sheltered place uh, after a long wandering um, of a cave. And it was... It was there that he um, encountered God in some very powerful ways. Uh, and, and it was there that he found kind of his spirit revived. And it wasn't through loud, wild things. In fact, scripture records there was like this super whirlwind and there was a giant earthquake and there was a firestorm. And scripture says God wasn't in any of those wild, crazy things as much as we may wish he was, it says that all that was followed up by this small, still voice. Like we have to be quiet enough to hear the small, still voice of God. And, it, and scripture says God was in that and spoke to him. This spiritual connection, ministering to Elijah spiritually after, after ministering to him physically after guiding him and being very present with him emotionally, helping him understand that he was not fully alone. And then, uh, towards the end of this section, God does something pretty awesome. I mean, it's all awesome. He leads him to the one who would succeed him. He gave him a companion, Elisha. And, and the story goes on from there. So at the end of his rope, depressed, depleted, suicidal, God met his needs physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. How are you doing in each one of those areas? You know, I'd encourage you to get with someone that you trust, someone who loves you enough to be honest with you 
and kind of process through those. Maybe do it yourself first on paper. Write it down. It's, it's always one thing to kind of think about it, something else to write it down tangibly. And then say, hey, would you sit down with me? I want to process this. And just listen. Find someone who will just not interject, just listen uh, empathetically and, and, and listen to you well. And then invite them to make some observations and comments. Invite them to pray. And maybe your spouse might be a friend. Um, if you don't have someone at that level in your life, ask God to lead someone to you and think through your relationships and ask someone. Someone would be, if you were to ask them to engage with you at this level, they would be honored. They, they would say yes, but it needs to be someone you trust, someone, someone healthy, you know? I think Elijah has a lot to teach us about where we are as we head into a new year. And I want to I wanna share, um, as I close, one other remarkable section. It actually is found uh, earlier on than the story I was just recounting. It's found in 1 Kings 17. I was going to read it, but... Time's almost up here. And so I'd invite you to read this remarkable story. Again, start at the beginning of 17, if you haven't already, and go down through um, the entire chapter. And the situation is, this is very early on. I mean, it's right after he's been called by the Lord. So this is way before all the stuff I was telling you and way before some of the miraculous things that he encountered, although this is super miraculous. Um, they're in the middle of a drought, and Elijah had actually foretold this coming. He runs into a, a woman, a widowed woman, who has a son. And he provides, God provides, through Elijah for, for this woman, for Elijah himself, and her son. Her son dies, and the woman obviously is super upset and actually blames God for it. And Elijah, and, and kind of blames Elijah via God for this happening. And, um, and, and let me, actually, let me pick up the story just a bit. This is 1 Kings 17, um, verse 19. And so Elijah said to her, give me your son. This is after he had died. And scripture bends over backwards to say he was dead. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and he laid him on his own bed. He cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, have you brought calamity? There's a word, calamity, a word that well fits this past year. Even upon the widow whom I sojourned by killing her son. So he's like, he's like calling out to God. Then he stretched himself on the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again. And you can just picture the woman, the mom, watching this happen. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again. And he revived, and Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, and this is key, Now I know that you are the man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. I guess I just want to close with this. May we be like Elijah. 
May we look to God to revive us and to put us in a place where we can step into ministry opportunities and that people will say of us, man, there goes a woman marked by the Spirit of God. There goes a man, there goes a student, there goes a child marked by the Spirit of God. Because I'm convinced that 2021, despite whatever is out there that can harm us, will be an incredible year of opportunity. People are searching for, as is mentioned here by this woman, the truth. And you know it if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And if you're not following him, find him, discover him, give your life to him, and know that he is the way, the truth, and the life. May we be like Elijah as we wrap up this year and move in to a new one. Let's pray. God, thank you for examples of men and women just like us. May we be like Elijah. May we find healing and wholeness and restoration through you. May we be put in a place to project truth to a world in desperate need, searching for the truth. May they know that you, Jesus, are the truth, that you are the way, and in you we find life. In Christ's name, amen.